Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. No matter what time of day it is or where you're located, right here and right now, you are with me, Laura Paget, on my podcast, Living What You're Given. And we are in a series in Living What You're Given called Choices. We're exploring different ways to see things, how to find different information. Sometimes we have to make a new choice or change a choice we've already made. And sometimes it's just a matter of, hmm, if I only knew. My name is Laura Paget, and as always, I try to find guests for you that have walked paths that are difficult and sometimes what I consider almost impossible to do. But we do have to live what we've been given. And I'm just really excited about my gifted friend who's with me today. Before we get going, let's thank our friend, Mr. Stephen Ray Watts, for his music, the band Dotsero. His information is always in my show notes. This series called Choices. I have chosen his song, If You Only Knew. And that fits right in with my guest today, what her message is. Sometimes we just need to stop and listen and reconnoiter our brains and say, wow, I didn't know that. And if you only knew, you can move into a different direction that's more healthy, more helpful for yourself and for others. So let's get right to my guest today. Her name is Gwendolyn Burton. She was with me last year when we were talking about pivoting in agony. And now Gwendolyn has finished and published and is selling and promoting her book, you don't know just how I feel. And she is talking about help for the grieving heart. In my opinion, this book, friends, is very necessary today, beyond necessary. It's almost mandatory, all the loss we have suffered. But particularly, she's going to be speaking to us today about information around what I believe is a radical new way to look at the grief process, how we grieve, and how we help others. The reason she's so valid in this is because she's had three miscarriages and then an adult son who passed away from sudden unexpected death in epilepsy. Mm -hmm. She is uniquely qualified to help others as they navigate their grief journey. And she discusses common challenges, common misconceptions. And we're going to share some of those with you today. She has studied with grief expert, David Kessler, and she's founded a group called Sisters in Solace, S-I-S, Sis, a group for mothers who have lost children. She is a certified grief educator. She enjoys physical fitness and lives in Aurora, Colorado with her husband, son, 
and three dogs. Won't you help me welcome in this delightful, talented, and generous Christian artist, artist, Ms. Gwendolyn Burton. Hiya, Gwen. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I am so delighted to be with you today and just to uh, talk about those issues, those concerns that we have in grief. And so thank you again for having me. Well, your message goes right along with what I'm trying to promote right now in this podcast, Living What You're Given, is that we are, are going to have uh, pain. We are going to have struggles. And it isn't when, it's how we walk them out. And certainly your book helps to tell your journey and some of the journeys of others you've known. But it offers also here a, a different perspective. You know, we've grown up with messages, traditions, things that say, this is how you help somebody who's grieving. These are the things you say. And we're going to discuss some of that today. But you are in that different role and you are valid in helping others experiencing grief. So what can you tell us is the hardest part about the grieving process? Laura, I believe one of the hardest parts about the grieving process outside of understanding the complexities of the grieving process is that often there are artificial timelines placed on the grieving process that impede people, uh, those who are grieving, as well as those who are supporting the grieving person from either receiving, communicating, or extending uh, support. And so it's the way that we communicate, it's our understanding of the grieving process, of the grieving person, because our in our society, certainly the Western, we've been taught to uh, keep it moving, to keep, just keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. And often we don't slow down enough to allow ourselves to grieve fully, to grieve freely. And when we're supporting someone uh, in grief, we don't allow them sometimes the grace or the ability to grieve at their own pace. So I think that that's one of the biggest uh, areas of concern for the grieving person and the person who uh, supports that grief, that person in grief. And can you just briefly share with us your process or what happened in your life that brought you into this grief that, I mean, it stops my heart as a parent. It, it just stops my heart to think something happened to my beautiful boy. But tell me, tell our audience about it because I want them to hear your voice as we move through this. Yeah, thanks for that question, Laura. I believe that I am in a position to validate not only my own grief journey, but those experiences of so many other people. Because as, as you read in, the, in my bio, as you mentioned in the bio, I've experienced grief before. I've uh, gone through three miscarriages. Early in our marriage, my husband and I endured three agonizing uh, miscarriages. And uh, that was very, just very traumatic because there, at that time, no one really talked about mm -hmm. uh, miscarriages and, and what we endure, the grief that parents live through uh, when a miscarriage occurs. 
And then certainly my mother, my father, my grandmother who reared me, I'd experienced those deaths as well. So, you know, death across a, a range of, of relationships. But when my, our 26-year-old son, Miles, transitioned unexpectedly, uh, he was talking with us. Uh, 15 minutes and 15 minutes later, we, he was, he was, he had suffered a seizure in his room. And uh, the result of that was that he transitioned. And I tell you that catapulted me into a place of despair, into a place of raw agony, into a place of grief that I did not know existed. It took me to a place where my, even my, as a person of faith, where my faith was shaken. I won't, I didn't lose faith, but the questions came up. God, why? God, how could this thing be? Mm. What's the meaning of this, God? I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can handle this. If there's one thing that's going to take me out, God, it's this. It's my child. And someone may say, it's my mother. It's my father. It's my spouse. It's my friend, my partner, whomever. But that began a grief experience where I knew I had to be honest about what I was feeling, about what I was experiencing. Because to be honest, Laura, I had not seen anyone else talk about this level of grief. I had not spoken with anyone else about this level of grief in the past. Mm. And so it was certainly new territory, territory none of us really want to be in when, when, when it happens. But I found that as I began to communicate with others, as I began to be honest about my grief experience, that that opened the door for other people to become honest and open about what they were experiencing. And so then there was that validation back and forth. Like, yes, I, I feel that too. I've experienced that too. These are my thoughts. These are my experiences. These are my, my lowest points. And these are, and all of that led me to a place where I have been able to not only validate my own grief experience for myself and recognize that it's unique, but also to validate other people on their grief journey and to let them know that although there are common responses and reactions to grief, our grief journeys are so unique because the relationship that we have, and I say have because the relationship continues, I believe, at least it does for me, that we have with our loved one, that relationship is unique because our each relationship, whether it's shared by someone, the same loss, is experienced by even a spouse or a sibling, it's still unique. You know, I, one of the best things about this book, the book is just wonderful. I've read it twice now. And I also want to tell you that it's that permission when you see an example of somebody else. You know, when you see somebody else who is giving themselves the permission, who is walking into their authenticity, it really helps. And I believe I've shared this with you, but I want to share it with the audience. In 2020, my ex-husband died of COVID. And, you know, our divorce, people say, oh, we had an amicable 
amicable divorce. There ain't no such thing. There's hard feelings. There's this, there's that. And we had a, a son to raise together, a child. And uh, goodness sake, I've been married to my current husband for 30 years. So how many years ago was this? And over that time, we had, you know, kind of healed our relationship for the sake of the child. But when he died, I went into such a deep grief. And I even apologized to my husband. I said, I have no idea why I am grieving Gene's death right now. I have no idea why I'm grieving his death. But your book and your words helped me to walk into laying it there and saying, why am I feeling this way? And it was a very big blessing. And I was able to get through it. And I was able to relate to my son as we talked about his dad and uh, go to the funeral. We went to the funeral and I, before I would have just, I don't know, I probably would have sat in my chair and rocked and just said, I, I'm stupid. I'm crazy. What's wrong with me? But no, you were right. And I remember, I don't know if we talked on the phone about this or what happened, but I do remember you're comforting me and, and the words that you had that I don't have to ask permission. I don't have to have the approval of other people to feel what I feel. And so one of the things that we do is we're grieving or as I would say supporters, we're trying to support folks grieving we say some things, we do some things that we've been traditionally taught are okay and are going to make them feel better, which is really just a hurry up, feel good so I can feel better thing. And I wondered if you can hit on a few of those and help us understand how not to do that and maybe what we can do to help that grieving individual. Laura, I tell you, one of the things, one of the areas that people who are grieving have shared and that I've experienced personally that is has the ability or that tends to injure, if I can say that, or cause additional pain comes from the cliches and the platitudes, those statements that we say we're uh, to grieving people that we're trying to make them feel better, trying to show up and be present with them in a way that, in the only way that we know often. Yes. And it's those phrases that cause pain, additional pain, those phrases that cause anger, mm. even cause relationships to splinter or it damages the relationship. And I've heard that so many times and I've experienced it. And let me just say this too. I've been guilty in the past. I've been guilty. I believe many of us have been guilty of saying things to a grieving person because it is what we, we've heard in our own grief or it's what we've been taught. We've been taught in society. We've been taught in uh, our, our cultures. We've been taught, taught in our communities of faith. We say these things and we pass them down. And so we repeatedly, we repeatedly in, induce pain on people, uh, grieving people, and we're unaware of it because chances are the grieving person isn't going to address it at that time or they won't ever address it. But when they get into a safe environment, 
where we feel that we can talk about it, where we have that validation that we just spoke about, when we have that permission to talk about it without feeling that we will be judged yes, or condemned, judged. then we do that. We say things like, they're in a better place. Well, Laura, in our hearts, and I'm talking about, uh, let's just talk about people in the body of Christ because it also happens outside of the body of Christ. But certainly I, I say the body of Christ because we're believers. We're believers that when we die, when we transition, that we're going to a better place. And so we say things like they're in a better place. And while we may believe that and know that to be true by faith, when a person is in grief, when a person is experiencing the raw, agonizing pain of loss, telling them that their loved one is in a better place doesn't necessarily help them. What it does, it tends to, it can even add grit up, it can add condemnation, it can add guilt. Mm -hmm to their grieving experience because, oh, I'm trusting God. I'm standing on God. God, I'm a person of faith. Should, not, should I be grieving like this? Should I be hurting like this? Should I be sad if I know that they're in a different, in a better place? So saying things like, I can't imagine how you must be feeling right now, but I know that you're hurting and I'll be praying for you. I'm here for you. Something like that is more helpful than saying they're in a better place or uh, time heals all wounds. <laughs> time heals all wounds. Well, I don't ascribe to that and many others don't. It's not time alone that will heal us. I often say, and I believe I've said this before to you, I will be totally healed when I'm joined together again with my loved ones, certainly with my son, with my child. That does not mean that while I am navigating, while I am living, learning to live day by day, that the impact of my grief, the result of, of, of their loss won't lighten because I've experienced since my son's death in 2016, that the grief lightens. It, it, it isn't as heavy or as raw every day as it was when he died the first year, the second year, even the third year. But there are times when grief does come and sit with me where I do. I, I, I feel that, that pain again, that agonizing pain, which is what we do, as you said. We give ourselves permission to feel that and we work through that and we allow God to do what, he, what he's doing in that process. But certainly when we say things like they're in a better place and time heals all wounds, it's when, if we use that time, our time to grieve freely and fully and openly if we need to, then it's what we do is allowing ourselves, ourselves to work our own grief process that will cause uh, the grief to lighten. Yeah. 
And the other one, and as I hear you speak, uh, the other one that I read, of course, in the book, and, and I don't know if I've ever done this, I have come alongside many women who have lost their children. That was just a calling for me. And I learned a long time ago, the best thing I can say is nothing. And to just be, and I have, as you can see, I have these ears that are actually registered with the National Aeronautics Commission in case of high wind days, I'm told to stay indoors. So I have some nice big ears and I love my ears, but they are here to hear. And that's what I have learned and was reaffirmed. And the other one that I hoped we would just kind of touch on a, a little bit and friends in her book, there's a ton of these. So please, I'm going to tell you how to get this book because it's very important, especially in what we've suffered the last two years with major community, uh, national and international loss on all levels. But the other one as well, it was God's will or gee, God has another angel. And what does that do when it when we say it's God's will? Wow. Oh. It's kind of like get over it. And that is just get over it are three words I just have thrown out of my vocabulary because nobody should be forced to get over anything. Yeah. It's God's will. It That's was God's so will. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Mm -mm. If you if ever that was a statement that causes angst that puts our faith in question that uh, uh, when, when we were grieving, while we we're grieving, it was God's will. You know, he, it was his plan is, is that phrase, is that statement? Because during a time when a person is grieving, we often have those questions that I, I spoke of earlier. God, why, what's going on? So our faith is becomes not that it's fragile. Well, I say it's shaken because that foundation that you you stand on, that you live on, is is shaking. It, you know, you, you're you're tossing back and forth and to and fro, and so it's 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 shaken. And when we say that it was God's will, then it causes us to question. But God, I'm in this excruciating pain, mm. and my loved one is no longer here. And how, how could this be your will? That, that I experienced pain at a level that I didn't know, I couldn't even comprehend prior to uh, the, the loss or the death of a loved one. And so to say um, that it was God's will really causes guilt sometimes. You're feeling guilty about feeling your grief. So then we suppress it, we push it down in like, oh God, God doesn't want me to feel this way. Anything we're talking about God's, you know, will and his plan that this person, that our loved one dies, uh, it causes uh, that grieving person to just, it, it causes more pain, more questions, more, God, do you love me then if you would allow my loved one to die knowing I'm going to feel this? And so I think it's it's, it's important that, as you say, you know, we re-examine what we say, what we're really saying, what we're really saying. And instead of, um, like I said, saying something like that, just say, I know you're hurting. There's nothing I can say that's going to take away your pain. So just know that I love you. I care about you. And I, I will you. be here. Mean it. I will be here yeah. for you and uh, on, on this journey. And then you said there was another one, um, the angel. Oh, you yes. know, God, God has another angel. angel. God has, it didn't take 
my child's or your child or someone else's child to die. God did not need another angel. Uh, again, it I, I, what, what happens is, Laura, when we use these phrases, it's often because we don't know what to say and we want to say something. And so we, 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 we say them and they don't often, most of the time, they hold very little significance to the grieving person. We may say thank you, you know, acknowledge the statement, but it does it does very little to encourage them and to help them. Rather, as we said, it takes them into a whole other realm of uh, of, of pain, of questions, of guilt, of things like that. So God did not need another angel. Uh, God did not cause my child to die because he needed an angel. I like to. I, I, I think that in the realm of realm of existence, in life as it is, in an imperfect, broken world, that things happen. Good things, bad things, unexpected things happen to all of us, and so. Um, and it takes time sometimes, often it takes time to come to the realization that if you are, are of the belief that it was my, my loved one's time, divine time and appointment uh, to, to, to transition, uh, you know, that take, it takes a process to come to that realization because often you know, when a child dies young, when you lose a child, something that's so bizarre that we, we, we believe to be or feel that's so out of the norm, if there is a norm, then uh, that doesn't, we, we, we can't comprehend how our child could die, how that is the will of God. We hear that a lot. It was God's will. It was God's will. But uh, over time, you know, each person is different we must allow that person to come to their own realization, their own acceptance of, if at all, of why their uh, loved one died. Because often there is none. There's no reason. We want to appropriate a reason to everything. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, Gwen, we've talked uh, about some things. And again, we're pointing folks back to the book, but also I hope that people will take this to heart. Let's talk just for a few minutes and we are going to be running out of time here because, you know, I try to keep these short so people don't, you know, so they're more attractive to the audience. But I wanted to say we are coming up on the holidays. This will air at the end of October. So it's the end of October when we're coming on right before the holidays. And in your book, you have a whole wonderful chapter about uh, dealing with those milestones and the and the grieving process that becomes more intense at holiday time. And, and so we've just established that that's a truth, whether people admit it or not, it's true. So tell me, if you can, give me a few methods of self-care, particularly as we walk into these holidays 2022. Miss mm -hmm. Gwen, please. Yeah, the first thing, uh, and the holidays are, as you've said, and it's already established, one of the most difficult times, holidays, birthdays, milestone dates, and, and events. And uh, one of the things that's so important, Laura, is that our listeners, a person who's in grief, give themselves time to rest, just to rest, 
and just to be present with yourself and with your feelings. Your feelings are valid. Number one, they are valid. And don't allow anyone to tell you that they are not. And then again, if you, you'll get invitations, certainly, because people love you and they want you to be, to include you in the activities. But I would just say that you gauge that. You gauge whether you're ready, whether this particular event is something that you want to participate in. And you you may find that, yes, I, I, I do want to be around other people. I do want to open myself up to laughter and to fun and to just trying to enjoy at some level the holidays. And then again, you may determine that that's not what I want to do right now. But just to, and take time just to be alone and process these things. Another thing that's so important, we talked about uh, children, I believe, briefly, is that don't forget the children, the children who are grieving. Um, children grieve much differently than adults. They're happy. They can go outside and play and, you know, and, and just do all these things and still be hurting inside. But just be sure to include the children in your holiday uh, events and 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 listen and just be aware of their behavior, their activities, and what they may be uh, experiencing during that time. Certainly, spending time with family and friends is important. And, and support so, groups. If you have support, support groups, get the people you, who get you. Get the people yes. who get you. Yes, that's it. The people who get you. The people who are able to witness your grief without feeling a need to try and fix you, without you feeling a need to try and make you happy, without those people who can be in your space and share time and space with you, without feeling a need to push you or to rush you or to tell you how and what you should or should not be feeling or what you should and should not be doing. It's that tribe, is that those people who will come alongside you and allow you to cry if you're weeping, if you're weeping, if you're bawling, if you're in, in intense pain, those people who are willing to sit with you and allow you to cry, those people who whose shoulder you can lean on. Mm -hmm. Those are the people. And then let me just say this before we get off of this, because I, I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. Laura, oftentimes people who are grieving don't reach out to other people. We keep it in, we hold it in, we go through the loneliness, the sadness alone. But people won't know what you need. People won't know uh, that you're hurting this deeply sometimes if we don't tell them. If we can't reach out to trust it, to someone we trust, uh, a support group, a pastor, a friend, someone who we trust to sit with us and to be with us, a shoulder to cry on, then they won't know what we need. So I think it's important that we as the, as the grieving people are able to communicate to others what our needs are in Very grief. Good. Very good. Well, and there are other resources in Gwendolyn's book, as well as her website and her Facebook page, which is Moving Forward. And you've said before, 
Gwen, that it's okay for people to personally reach out to you for resources. And most communities, most churches, hospices oftentimes will have uh, bereavement support groups, uh, hospitals. So to reach out to those people, but how can people get this book? Give us that information because I really want to send people to that place to get your book. Thank you, Laura. People can get the book. You can get the book uh, certainly on Amazon. And then uh, my website, GwendolynOBurton.com. GwendolynOBurton.com. If you just need to reach out uh, to share your story or just to touch bases, my email, movingforwardwithgb at gmail.com. Movingforwardwithgb. Or you can, that information is also on the website. So I'll just send you to the website, GwendolynOBurton.com. Excellent. And it's a beautiful website. It's a comforting website and it's an authentic website. And so friends, thank you. And help me if you can, if you're clapping your hands, I'm clapping my hands. Thank you so much, Miss Gwen, for being with us. What a tough subject, but it's part of living sometimes what we're given. We don't volunteer for this, but there are ways that we can get through it. And like our good friend Jerry Schimmel said when I interviewed him about his plane crash, his last thoughts before the uh, thing crashed was, Lord, if I make it out of here, please help me to find ways to help others. Your book is doing that. You are doing it. Thank you for being here, Miss Gwendolyn. Thank you so much, Lauren. If I can have about 10 seconds. You bet. This is right before the holidays. I want to encourage your, your listeners to be gentle with yourself, mm-hmm. be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself. What you're feeling is real. And so validate those feelings and just know you are not alone. There are people out there who love you and who care for you and who can come alongside you in a way that you need right now. So please reach out to someone you love and trust for support. You don't have to endure the holidays lonely uh, and sad going through your grief alone okay i just want you to know that okay friends speaking of reaching out if you want to reach out to me you can find me at laurallpaget.com that's my website my blogs are there the books two books i've published are there uh, many of my little uh, articles are there and my podcast episodes are there And so you can listen to this as often as you want, and you can hear Gwendolyn and so many people like her who are helping us to be living what we're given. And in the meantime, do check the show notes for Stephen Ray's music, for Gwendolyn's books, and for whatever we can do to help you to be living what you're given, every age, every stage. Okay? Until then, just remember... Sometimes it's just a matter of if I only knew, Lord, if I only knew, listen to those who do know and share what you know. Because everybody, we all got to know what we don't know. God bless. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care.